want to presume maybe throughout this month of November. I wanted to go in another direction, but he kept ringing this in my heart. And when I tried to even preach something else, and I was already writing it, he brought it back to my memory to say that, look, this is the word for the season. And it's a build-up on what I shared last week and, of course, a couple of weeks ago. And when the Holy Ghost is bringing the word repeatedly, it is not a lack of what to say. It is not a scarcity of content. It is because the Lord has determined to work in that direction at that time. That's why sometimes those of you that watch messages, other messages online, you find that you, you are in church, you hear a word, and then you watch another pastor and he's saying almost exactly the same thing. And it's a sign that the Lord has his finger on that topic at that time. And that is what he is emphasizing. There is a word for every season. And so I believe what I'm bringing you this morning is a word for the season. Joseph said to Pharaoh in the book of Genesis, he said, For that the dream was doubled twice unto Pharaoh, because it's a thing that is established by God, and God will shortly bring it to pass. Why would God double a dream twice unto Pharaoh? The same dream. First it was the fat kind and the thin kind or uh, uh, no, um, a plant and then the, I can't remember, the wheat or something now. And the, the, the slim one that looked very famished and looked very uh, frail and about to break, ate up and consumed the one that was fat. And it looked as though nothing had happened, like it had nothing. Like, you know, there are certain people, certain individuals, even some of them in this church who are gifted with flat tummy. And after they have devoured a mountain of food, check out their tummy, it is still as flat as it was before they started eating. But some of us don't have that gift. When we drink just a little water, our stomach bulges. We don't have that gift. It's a gift, I believe. That was what happened in the dream that Pharaoh had. And God gave him yet another dream. The Bible says, and Pharaoh dreamt yet another dream. And this time, he was in, by the river Nile in Egypt. And he saw a fat cow. And he saw a slim cow. The slim cow looked famished and hungry and about to die. And in that dream, the slim cow consumed the fat cow. And after the consumption of the fat cow, the slim cow looked slim still. It didn't look as though it had eaten anything at all. And Pharaoh woke up from his dream and he was troubled by the dream. What kind of dream is this? This is uncanny. This is weird. And he got all his astrologers and magicians and wise men together to interpret the dream unto him. And none of them could interpret the dream because it was decoded by God. And when a message is decoded by God, it takes only the spirit of God. I, I, I missed that word. It was encoded by God. And when a message is encoded by God, it takes only the spirit of God to decode such a message. You don't decode God's message by your brain. It's too small to decode the word of God. Your mind is too small to decode the word of God. That's why the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 from verse 9, Eye has not seen, neither ear, neither then he heard, neither has it entered the heart of man, the things that God has prepared for them that love him. The next verse, he says, the next verse now quickly, you have to be fast, but God has revealed unto them, uh, has revealed them to us by our brain. 
Come on, talk to me, church, this morning. It's too early to sleep. God has revealed them to us. How? By his spirit. Why? For the spirit searched a few things. All things. All things includes all things. Your past, your present, your future. The children you're going to have. The job you're going to hold. Where you're going to live. The Holy Ghost searches. Searches our heart. Searches everything about us. That's why I fear God. And you must fear God. You must fear the one that knows the words that are yet in your heart. That you have not yet uttered. He's able to give you a replay of all that you said in the last 10 years. For the spirit searched all things. Yea, the deep things of God. The message was encoded to Pharaoh. And it could only be decoded by a man that had the spirit of God. And so all the astrologers, all the magicians, all the wise men of Egypt could not decode the message because they did not operate by the Holy Spirit. But a man was found by the name Joseph who was left in the dungeon in the prison. And they brought him out. Somebody recommended him to the king and they said, you are, I've been told that you are able to interpret dreams. And he said, no, sir, it's in the Lord to give interpretation of every dream. And he will give you an answer of peace. Joseph quickly returned the glory to God. I have learned that you can sing very well. No, sir, um, as I'm enabled by the Holy Spirit. Don't be quick to share the credit with God. If I don't say anything again, I've said something this morning. <laughs> Do you believe that? And Joseph said to Pharaoh, I haven't started preaching. I'm only introducing what I'm about to preach. Joseph said, you had a dream and so, so, and so happened. And then you had another dream again. He said, it's the same dream. But I'm, I'm quoting from King James now. He said, it was doubled twice. Now, that would sound like tautology in our contemporary English. But that's how it was written in King James. And I love me, my King James. It was, they said the dream was doubled twice unto Pharaoh. Because this thing is determined by the Lord. And the Lord will shortly bring it to pass. So when you see anything that is repeated in the Bible. Or even in our days when the message has been repeated. It's not for want of what to say. It is because the Lord has his finger on that subject. And is going to deal with it and drive it home until you get it. Great and effective communicators say. That until you say something five times. People don't get to hear it. The first time they think they hear it. The second time they think they hear it. The third time they assume they hear it. The fourth time they, they, they believe they have heard it. But they don't hear until the fifth time. I don't know how true that is, but that's what effective communicators say. The dream was doubled twice unto Pharaoh. So I'm bringing you a word that you might have had before. But the Lord is doing something with this word in this season. And it's meant for those who are sensitive enough in the spirit to latch on to the word of God. And to follow through what God has prepared and ordained to shortly bring to pass. And the word I keep hearing in my spirit is that this season, God is bringing us into the realm of recovery. And I mean total recovery of all that we have lost, of all that the enemy has stolen from us. God is bringing a total restoration, total, total recovery in the name of Jesus. Shall total recovery all round, all round, and in all aspects of our lives. 
I'm not talking to you. I'm not sent to you this morning if you have never lost anything. I'm only sent to a few who have lost something. Those who have lost time, those who have lost opportunity, those who have lost their fame, lost their character, lost their name, lost whatever it is that they have lost. And they are saying, God, this year is about to go. Am I going to ever get it back this year? And the Lord is having me say to you this morning, you're going to get it back this year. Go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to be in verse 1 all the way to 19. 1 Samuel chapter 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30, and I'm going to be in verse 1 all the way to 19. Glory be to God. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. They didn't just smite it, they burnt it with fire. And had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any. God prevented them from slinging them. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Everything, everyone. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Until they had no more power to weep, because it takes power to weep. When a man weeps, it's not a sign of, it's not a sign of weakness. It's a sign of strength. He has power. You still have power left. To weep takes power. It takes a lot, especially from a man. <laughs> These were men with biceps and triceps. These were not mean men. These were described as the mighty men of David. These were men of war. These were men who had been trained in the cave of Julam. These were soldiers. But they came back and wept out loud until they had no more power in them to weep. Have you ever been there in your life that you wept so much and until the point where you had no more power to even weep? Weeping may endure for a night, but your joy comes this morning. I'm sent to those who have wept. Because God is bringing your joy this morning in the name of Jesus. And David's two wives were taken captives. Ahinoam the Jezreelites and Abigail the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. You want to know something about Abigail? Abigail was a beautiful woman and a woman of great understanding. The Bible described her in 1 Samuel, I think maybe chapter 25 or so. The earlier chapters. In fact, she, when David was still running around and he was in the wilderness at the time, there was a day that David sent some of his men, ten of them, to go and meet Nabal. Nabal, the husband of Abigail. And to say to him, look, you know, we've kept your stuff in the wilderness. Can you just, uh, uh, you know, get me something, get us some stuff so we can eat? Because they were not in the city. They were running from Saul, who was after David, who was going to kill David. So his men were with him, and they were in the wilderness, and there was no food. But they had kept this man. They had provided security for his animals, and for his, whatever he had in the field in Carmel. And the man had sent a very rough answer back to David. Who, what's my business with you? In popular Nigerian parlance, I send you a message. Who asked you to, to, to keep watch over my stuff? Did I ask you to provide security? Get out of here! And the men of David went back to David to, to give him that answer. 
And David got himself up and got his men up and said, hey guys, let's go and finish that guy. But one of the servants who saw what his master did and saw the foolishness of his master ran very quickly, ran home to meet Abigail, a woman of great understanding. She wasn't just beautiful. Some women are beautiful on the outside, but they are not of any understanding. Some women are loaded with great understanding, but they are not as attractive on the outside. Life is not balanced, they say. But there are women who combine brains with beauty. And I believe such are the people that are in the expression house. <laughs> and you are full of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Abigail was a member of the expression house. Abigail heard that her husband, whose name was Nabal, had messed up. And she knew the capacity of David, who single-handedly, by the help of God, brought down Goliath. You know what she did? She made more than enough provision quickly. Made barbecue, asu, suya, made chicken, made turkey, made everything. Butter of kind and wine and bread and butter and, and cheese and, and, and two bottles of special wine for the king. David had not yet been crowned, but a word had gone ahead of him that he was going to be the next leader of Israel. And she put all these provisions on, on camels, on asses, and said, hey, drive very fast ahead of me. And then she was coming behind them. She got on her ass and then, baka, 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 baka. and David was coming from the other side very furiously, fast and furious. Have you, have you watched that movie? David was fast and furious. He was going to finish that guy. But Abigail met him on the way and came down from the ass. And Abigail began to beg and began to plead. And worshipped at the feet of David. And one of the statements she made. You would know that this woman is a woman of great understanding. I mean that scripture hit me. She said. The Lord has raised you. But your enemies are trying to take your soul. But they don't know that your soul is in the bundle of life. Bound with the Lord. Man, it was like I'd never seen that before in my life. I quickly claimed that blessing. You can't take my life. Because I'm bound in the bundle of life with the Lord. Somebody say, my life is bound in the bundle of life with the Lord. God bless you, media. Can we read that verse now, verse 29? That's not my message. It's just uh, I'm trying to get somewhere. Yet a man is risen to pursue thee. That is referring to Saul. Abigail was the one talking here. And to seek thy soul. He said, but the soul of my Lord, that's the soul of David, shall be bound in the bundle of life with the Lord thy God. How can anybody separate you when you are bound in the bundle of life? Did somebody catch that this morning? Three people. Did you catch that this morning? And the souls of your enemies, them shall he sling out as out of the middle of a sling. And that came to pass. And she said many other nice things and beautiful things and powerful things. And David calmed down. I could imagine David breathing so hard. <sighs> he was ready to avenge himself of the enemy. And the woman said, don't mind that man. For as his name is, so is he. The name is Nabal. Nabal means stupid. Abigail, why did you marry If you're an Abigail, 
of this money, you better wait for your David and don't go, don't rush and marry some Nabal. Because, you know, she eventually became the wife of David. David didn't kill that man. The man died himself the next day. When the wife told him all that would have happened to him, he went ahead to throw a party, and after the party, and the wine was gone from him, then the wife told him all that would have happened to him the previous day, and he heard all of that, and the Bible says his heart became like a stone. His heart died. The, I think maybe he had cardiac arrest. His heart died within him, and then it became like a stone for a couple of days, and then he passed on. And David sent for the woman and comforted her. Glory be to God. Yeah, he, he had to provide comfort. He had to provide comfort. That's what the Bible says. I don't know what you're thinking, but that's what the Bible says. And so that's how Abigail became. You see, she was a man of great, a woman of great understanding and of a good countenance. If you look at that chapter 25, quick, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me. Um, um, I wanted to see that the Bible says that she was, she was a beautiful woman. Verse 3. Now the name of the man was Nabal and the name of his wife Abigail and she was a woman of good understanding. Ladies, pray for good understanding. If you're not there yet, pray for it. A woman of good understanding and of a beautiful countenance. It's okay to have beautiful countenance but much more important, the Bible plays good understanding before the beautiful countenance. Are you with me? Of what use is a good countenance if you don't have good understanding? So David came back to Ziklag and Ziklag was burnt down and his two wives had been taken. Especially, it pained David that Abigail. Abigail had been taken. Abigail. Could that be why David wept until he had no more power to weep? But it wasn't just for Abigail. Also for the other women and their daughters and their sons. And if I know anything about men, about fathers... We're so attached somehow to our daughters. We love our sons. We hug them. We give them a high five. We play football together. But somehow your daughter just comes around. She doesn't have all the muscles in the world, but yet she can get you seated for the next 30 minutes, even though you want to go out right now. She just cuddles all around you and daddy, you know, daddy, you know, and then, you know, I'm in a hurry. I have to go out now. No, daddy, you know, and then she's putting her hand on your chest, daddy, you know. I mean, my daughter did something a few nights ago, and my son and I burst into laughter. They were going to bed, and I laid hands. I wanted to lay hands on them to say, God bless you. Have a good night. And then every night we hug, and then I peck their forehead. And as I lay hands on her, she lay hands on me. And I looked at her. I said, look at this girl. I want to bless you. She said, I want to bless you. I said, okay, bless me. And my son looked at her and just, just laughed. Only you can try that. The boy probably won't dare, but you know. The way of, of a man and a woman, only God understands. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. The Bible, let, let's go back to 1 Samuel 30. That's where we are. And the Bible says, and David was greatly distressed. For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man, every man for his sons. These were 600 men. And for his daughters. But... David encouraged himself in the Lord is God. There are times you don't get encouragement from the people around you. Where you expect to get encouragement from, you get discouragement from there. The Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. And David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee bring me hither the effort. And Abiathar brought thither the effort to David. 
And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue. The Lord answered, Pursue. For thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. And I got the title of this message today. It's a series, and this is titled, And Without Fail, Recover All. Let me preach that to your neighbor and prophesy that to your neighbor and encourage your neighbor and propel them forward with those words. Say, and without fail, recover all. Turn to another neighbor and prophesy that over their lives and say, and without fail, recover all. Let's have a third witness this morning out of the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word of the Lord be established. Look at another neighbor and say to them, and without fail, recover all. Tell them don't recover some and leave some behind. Recover A-L-L. Recover all. So David went and the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Besor, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued. He and 400 men for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Besor. I've seen the, 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 the picture of this brook Besor before. It, it's, uh, it's a little wide, and you have water flowing there like a stream. And there were 200 of them. They just came back from a battle. They were tired. They couldn't cross over the brook anymore. So they stayed back with the stuff while 400 went with David. They crossed over with him. So the Bible says and, uh, and they found an Egyptian in the field, verse 11 and brought him to David and gave him bread and they did eat and they made him drink water. Now even in your persecution, learn to be hospitable. Even in your adversity, in your time of trouble don't stop helping people because the information you need sometimes is in the hands of the people that you're helping. As a matter of fact, sometimes we think we are helping others, whereas we are helping ourselves. Can you imagine if they had taken out their frustration and their anger on this Egyptian that they found in the field? Oh, so we found you. You are the people who came and took away our wives and daughters, right? Upon you, will, we will instill, or we will, you, will inc you will incur our wrath, we will destroy you. They would have killed that guy, and they would not have got the information that they needed. They fed him. Is that not in line with the scripture that says to give food to your enemies to bless them that persecute you? And when you do that, you are heaping coals of fire on their head. And not even to destroy them, it is to keep them alive. To keep them warm in winter. <laughs> Praise God, amen. Now, don't, 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 don't hate people because they hate you. Don't, don't repay evil for evil. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. The moment you put vengeance in your own hands, God will step aside. Pursue justice, not vengeance. They are two different things. Are you with me? Are you with me? Uh, if you have to arrest a bastard and sue him, do that. But I'm, not, I'm saying, don't take a gun and, and put it in his head and, and pull the trigger. Vengeance is different from justice. Are you with me? <laughs> Some understand what I'm saying this morning. Yeah, before they go on the social media and say, Pastor arrested Reverend. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. You know, anyway, oh no, that's all, I don't want to be distracted. So, <clears throat> now he did eat and they made him drink water. You know when you drink water, you get refreshed. They gave him bread, they gave him whatever, and they gave him a piece of 
a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, the Bible says his spirit came again to him. There is power in food. I don't understand. And I've asked Dr. Yeshua to help me before how food is converted to energy. I don't understand it, but it does happen. And I think there's something called metabolism in biology. And I think there's something called ATP, energy in the form of adenosine triphosphate, right? Woo! Glory to God. Now, don't go beyond there. Don't ask me any questions beyond that point. <laughs> Let me abide in my calling. Praise God. And the Bible says that this guy, when he had eaten, the spirit came again to him, for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. He was about to die. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite, and my master left me. Because three days are gone, I fell sick. What a terrible master. Your servant fell sick and you left him in the wilderness to die. We made an invasion upon the south of the Cherethites and upon the coast which belonged to Judah and upon the south of Caleb and we burned Ziklag with fire. Mine! This was the information that David was looking for. But they didn't get this information until they entertained the guy. Did some feeding, some Samaritan act, some act of kindness. You never know who is going to volunteer the information that you need for that tech project. Somebody wants to borrow a textbook from you. Lend them if you can. Give a helping hand. The person you think is useless might be the one that has the information that you need for your next level. Nobody is useless. And David said unto him, Can you bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master because they're going to kill me. And I will bring thee down to this company. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking. They were partying hard. And they were dancing because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. And David smote them from the twilight even unto the evening of the next day. And there escaped not a man of them except, that is safe, except 400 young men which rode upon camels and fled. And David, the Bible says, recovered all. Somebody say with me this morning, and David recovered all. That the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives. Glory be to God, Abigail is coming back home. Hallelujah. And there was nothing lacking to them. I pray for someone. By the time we get to December 31st, 2023, there shall be nothing lacking to you in the name of Jesus. You will look at your life and there shall be nothing lacking in your family in the name of Jesus. Nothing lacking. My God is a perfect God. He knows how to do a perfect job. Who prevented those guys from killing the women? And the men, the boys and the girls, the Lord, even though they took them captive, the Lord prevented them from killing them. It happened to Abraham. A king took his wife, but the Lord prevented him from sleeping with her. When you are a covenant child of God, everything that belongs to you is branded by God. It is dangerous to be stolen by another. They may steal it, but it will not be useful to them. So they had better just leave it and not steal it. 
The Bible says, and they recovered all. And there was lacking. There was nothing lacking to them. Neither small nor great. Neither sons nor daughters. Neither spoil nor anything. They didn't lose a t-shirt. Are you with me? They didn't lose a pair of slippers. Nothing lacking. Nor anything that they had taken to them. David recovered all. And I pray. And I prophesy. Someone listening to me watching online or someone right here on site. You will. In 2023. I'm not talking 2024. In 2023, beginning from today, the very first Sunday in November, all the way through the end of this year, you will recover all. In the mighty name of Jesus. In John 10, 10, Jesus made a very profound statement. He said, the thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I am come that you may have life and have it how? More abundantly. Can I have an amen to that? While God's plan is always for us to walk in the fullness of his grace, mercy, blessing, favor, and provision. However, the job of the adversary is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. No wonder Peter wonders in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verses 8 and 9, I want that on the screen very quickly, to be vigilant, to be sober, to be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. Now listen, it's not a lion. He pretends to be one. He's a, he's a, he's a toothless bulldog. He barks, but he barks so loud, it almost sounds like the roar of a lion. He is not a lion. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. According to Revelation chapter 5 and verse 5. He says, weep not, for the lion of the tribe of Judah has prevailed to open the book and to lose the seven seals thereof. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah and is in you. Is he in you this morning? So you are also a lion in him. Can I have an amen to that? So we have the roar. We have the roar. We're not barking. He's the one barking. Satan is barking. We are roaring. Can I have an amen? And I'm going to preach a message titled Roar Back very soon. I'm writing it already. Roar Back. He barks at you, you roar. Hill, hill, lion of Judah. Some of us, the lion in us has gone to a corner and the lion is barking. <laughs> you're so cornered by the enemy. No, you're coming out strong in the name of Jesus. You're going to roar on every situation and recover all in the name of Jesus. The roar belongs to us. Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Seeking whom he may devour. Meaning he cannot devour everyone. But if you permit him, those who permit him to devour them, he's going to do that. Are you going to fold your hands and watch the enemy destroy your life? Are you going to be boxed in the corner and be weeping and shedding tears and say, Oh God, I pray that this problem be over. I don't want the devil to trouble me anymore. Devil, please leave me alone. No, he doesn't respond to please. If you say devil, please, he will come to your house and build a tabernacle. He responds to commands. Now, Mr. Foul, devil, take your dirty hands off of my dad. Take your dirty hands off of my mom. My mama, that's my mama. Now you take your dirty hands over my sister. Take your dirty hands over my brother. Now take your dirty hands off of me and be gone in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. Get out of here. That's what he responds to. And you have to do that with all courage and boldness in the name. For the name of the Lord is a strong tower. 
Proverbs 18.10, the righteous run into that name and they're secure, they're safe. Are you with me? And God has given us a name under heaven, the only name with which men shall be saved. And at the name of Jesus, every knee must bow and every tongue, including that of the devil, confess that Jesus is Lord in heaven, on earth, and beneath the earth. Are you with me? Go to verse 9, 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter 5, we've read verse 8. Can you quickly, quickly go to verse 9? Media, thank you because I, I have a long way to go. The Bible says, whom resists steadfast in the faith? Resist him. It can be resisted. In fact, I've told you before, time and time again, the name Satan actually means the resister. The resister. Every time a child of God is trying to make progress, the resister will come and resist you. That's why sometimes you feel some kind of stiff opposition. And you're wondering, what's, what's wrong? And sometimes you're asking, who have I offended? Can I see one or two hands? Have you ever been there in your life? That you ask yourself that question, please, who have I offended? It's like you offended somebody that you can't see. Anybody in church this morning? Okay, a couple of hands. I felt like that before. You know who is at work? It is not the Holy Ghost too. If it is the Holy Ghost, there's going to be a witness. And I'll get there this morning, hopefully. Yeah, because there's a time they were trying to preach in Mysia, and the Holy Ghost forbade them to not go. But there'll be a witness because it's in us. It's not resisting us. Satan is the resister. The name means the resister. And Paul, uh, sorry, Peter, by the Holy Ghost said, you should resist him. Not with Agidi. Yeah, you need Agidi. Yeah? But the Agidi has to be rooted in faith. Whom resisted fast in the faith. Knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. You stand your ground and say, Satan, this house belongs to Jesus. You are not permitted in this room. I mean, every night you go to bed and you have nightmares and nightmares upon nightmares. You can't even sleep. Some of you are even afraid of the night time. Because you don't enjoy your sleep. It's like you're going to work in the sleep. And by the time you wake up in the morning, it's like you've worked all night in a factory. You are so fagged out, so browned off, so exhausted. Hey, listen, the Bible says that God gives beloved his, his beloved sleep. Am I right about that? So why should you continue working in the sleep? Sanctify that room, period. Clean it up. Satan, this room belongs to a child of God. Get out of here. Pack your stuff and get out. Pack everything that belongs to you and get out of this room. It belongs to me. And I erect the banner of the Lord here. So every time I sleep on my bed, I enjoy a smooth sleep. In Jesus' name, amen. Go to bed and sleep like a baby. Can I have an amen to that? Peter was simply saying, don't allow him. Don't allow the devil. He wants to steal from you, wants to kill. He wants to burn your life, burn your dreams with fire. Like it did in Ziklag. Those enemies were a representation of Satan. When David and his men were not at home, they had gone to fight. Then they took advantage of their absence, took their wives, took their, their daughters, took their sons, took their stuff, and then burnt the city. I mean, it's not, it's not funny. When you come back home to ashes, Ziklag was burnt to ashes. I mean, I'm a father, so when I, I go on a trip, <laughs> like I'm planning to this week, for example, and I return after a couple of days, I want a hug from my kids. I, I, my, the, the children I'm blessed with, when they go to school in the morning and they come in the evening, same day, 
They run. Their mama has gone to pick them up. They run to me to hug me as though I traveled for like two weeks. You wouldn't believe that we still saw one another in the morning. That's the way we greet. They hug. We are huggers. They run and they hug. You can imagine someone that is so used to that. And then you come back home and there is nothing at home. David did not even meet his flat screen TV on the wall. All the cars were gone. All the Porsche in the garage. The Aston Martin. The Mercedes Benz. The Maserati. The G-Wagon. Everything gone. The sleeping guys, now they've woken up because they had the, the cars. Men like cars. Women don't care, really. They like nice cars too, but they might not know the name. A woman may be driving one of the best cars in the world, in the country, and she doesn't, she doesn't care about the name of the car. What is important is that the car is nice, and she, she enjoys driving it. And when it stops on the express, she doesn't call the mechanic, she calls the husband. Men, we are blessed. Can I have an amen? Oh, men, I said we are blessed. Can I have an amen? David and his men came back home. All the cars were gone. Not only that, they didn't even meet an empty house. They didn't meet empty houses. They met ashes. The whole city had been burnt. Burned down. What do you do with ashes? I don't know any builder in the world that builds houses or builds homes with ashes. That's what the enemy tries to achieve in our lives. He wants to finish everything so that you come to a point where you think it's over. Now, what do I do? And in addition to that, first of all, when the men came, the Bible said they lifted up their voice instead of their voices because all the voices became one, as one. And they made a cry so loud it sounded as one voice. And they wept. They wept. You haven't seen a grown man weep before. It can be a funny scenario, but you don't want to laugh around that area. You can, you can get a blow that can displace your jaw. These men of war wept. The Bible says until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried? We call it, when I was in Mokola, we called it maximum shishi. You know, when they beat you and you're still crying, you still have energy. They beat you to a point you can't cry again. They're beating you. That's maximum shishi. They want to be like, oh, you're fire. Yeah, you still have energy. But they beat you to a point you have become paper or pop. David and his men got to that point. It was a hopeless situation. But God had a recovery plan. Can I have an amen? In every seemingly hopeless situation in our lives, God always has a recovery plan. He's the God of restoration. And I will restore to you the years that the locust has eaten. The cankerworm, the palmerworm, and the caterpillar, my great army that I sent among you, said the Lord. And my people shall eat in plenty, and my people shall never be ashamed, as prophesied by Prophet Joel in Joel chapter 2. Can, can you say amen to that? The Bible says David was greatly distressed. 
We all get distressed at some point or the other in our lives. But after a while, you have to shake off the beast of distress. You have to shake off. <laughs> we all have moments. Our moments. The low moment. Everybody thinks you're strong. Yeah, you're strong. You're carrying on. Moving on by faith. But there are certain things that happen in our lives and you go to your corner and you weep and you cry. You're having a low moment. It's not a sin to have that. Okay? And it's not a sign of weakness. Anybody making jest of you, don't worry. You don't need to pray for them. Their own moment too will come. In life, there are only three categories of people. Only three categories. One, those who are about to enter into a distress. Two, those who are in the middle of a distress or trouble. Three, those who are just coming out of one. That's the way life is wired. And there's no point where you go on holiday as long as you stay in this thing called life. So David was having a moment here. The same David that wrote most of the Psalms. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Now, imagine him crying here, and imagine somebody now taunting him and saying, Shebi, you call yourself a man of faith. Shebi, you always preach every Sunday. Oh, yeah, preach to yourself now. Physician, heal thyself. It's a disservice. There is nobody who is so strong that they don't have their own moment. In fact, the Bible warns that you don't rejoice at your enemy when he's having his moment. Lest the Lord turn that wrath upon you. Let alone you taunting another believer or a pastor or a minister of God or a, a brother in church or a sister. And say, Shabby, you always sing. Shabby, you're the one that sings. Darling Jesus. We are singing darling Jesus now. It's not time to be crying. Sing that in Jesus. No, you're not helping that person. And if you cannot encourage, please keep quiet. Keep your mouth shut. David got to that point. His men said to him, you have failed us. Let us stone this guy. Let's kill him. The same man that David raised. The same man that came to him in the cave Adulam. Cave Adulam experience was, I think, first summer, maybe 22 or 23. Let me peep very quickly. I think 23. Oh, uh, no, not 23. 22, I guess. 22, yeah. 22 and verse 1. And therefore, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adulam. And when his brethren and all his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. Verse 2. Look at the kind of men that came to David. And everyone that was in distress. David was in distress. Yet, people in distress came to him. And everyone that was in debt, people that were owing. They were owing the banks. They were owing organizations. They were owing individuals. They ran to David. And everyone that was in debt and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about 400 men in the cave Adulam. And that was the place of their making because these 400 men later became the, so, the people that were renowned as the mighty men of David. First of all, they were in distress, they were in debt, they were discontented. But over time, of training and exposure and mentorship by David, they became the mighty men of David. There was none of them that died broke. They were all rich at the end of their lives. If you read what they gave when David was given to the building of the temple of the Lord, in today's terms, it would be billions of dollars. 
And these men used to be broke, used to be in debt, used to, used to be distressed. What is that saying to us? Better is the end of a matter than the beginning thereof if it's put in the hands of the Lord. Your life will turn out better. A thousand times better than what it is today if you put it in the hands of the Lord. Can I have an amen? You can be in distress, but don't stay that way for a long time. I know what it means to come to church and you don't want to laugh. I know what it means when everybody's smiling around you and you don't want to smile. I know what it means when everybody's dancing around you and you don't want to dance. I, I've been there, done that. I know. I know what it means. I know what it means for your mouth to be heavy. You want to laugh, but <laughs> you don't find yourself tears rolling down your face. You want to think outside of what you are thinking about, but it seems you are incapacitated. The problem seems to stay stuck to your mind. You want to put your mind on the Lord, but you are putting your mind on the problem. I know what that means. But I'm saying it's not good to stay that way. You keep reasoning every time, how did I get here? How did I find myself here? Oh Lord, how did I get here? How did I get here does not solve the problem. Are you with me? Come on, come on. Are you with me? How did I get here never solves the problem. Put your mind on the solution, not on the problem. It is what you focus on that gets magnified. That's why David said, I will lift up my eyes on, onto the hills from whence come my problems. Are you with me, church? When we look in the word of God, we're looking into solution, 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 not the problem. It's what you feed that grows. Don't feed the problem. Starve the problem. Feed your faith. Feed your faith on the word of God. Are you with me? The Bible says, and David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. Oh my God. Oh my God. I cannot overemphasize this. Learn to be your own number one cheerleader. Write it down if you're writing. Learn to be your own number one cheerleader. Learn to encourage yourself. Learn. Learn now. Learn today to encourage yourself in the Lord. Make anybody your number one encourager, you've made the, the biggest mistake in your life. Don't even make me your number one encourager. Because there are days I am not in a good mood. Are you with me? You don't want me to confess to you? When we say, oh, pastor is always there. Every time he's high up there in the spirit. <laughs> in the spirit, yeah. But not always, not always excited. At times I'm dealing with stuff. I just had the bad news and then you are coming with your own stuff. I'm still dealing with that. In the Lord. No wonder Paul said to us in Ephesians 6.10 to be strong in ourselves. To be strong in our pastors. To be strong in our house cell members. To be strong in our HOM. To be strong in whom? In, in whom? And that's where strength comes from. In the Lord and in the power of his might. David encouraged himself in the Lord. You can imagine David would have died of discouragement that day. Looking at the 400 men. You. Dodo, you, Abishai, you, Shamga. I know how much I invested. I taught you how to shoot arrows. You. By the time it got to number 55, it would just pass out. It would pass out saying, you, and Baba will go down. Zah. 400 men, 600 actually. But 400 were with him in the cave at Ulam. What kind of betrayal can be greater than that? 
You know, my bestie betrayed me. My, oh, my bestie, oh, oh, you of all people. Where is Ipo? Where is Ipo? Peleo. Why is your life so cheap? Take it away with Ipo. Because one person betrayed you. Go and learn from David. 400. In fact, 600 said, let us stone him. And if they did stone him that day, that would have been the end of David. That would have been the end of Jesse. The, sorry, the son of Jesse. That would have been the end of the sweet psalmist of Israel. We would never have heard some of those psalms. We would never have been able to partake of some of them. We would never have read of a hero that lived and touched lives and touched the heart of God so much that God said, this man, even though he has all his flaws, is a man after my heart. Don't be too easily discouraged. People will talk about you. They will talk ill of you. The very people you helped, the very people you raised, don't be too easily discouraged. And I'm teaching you and I'm talking to you leaders. Because among other things, this house is a place for raising leaders. A time will come in your life, like one of my sisters. She came to me when I was in London. You've heard this before. She schools in Plymouth. And that's the person that heard uh, Motun Adeyemi's testimony. She latched onto it. She believed God for an opening in the UK for her masters and God did it. When I was in London, she came to my hotel to see me. I was coming to Nigeria. And she said, among other things, Pastor, the Expression House is a sending place. I'll never forget that. She said, the Lord told me to tell you, to encourage you. It's a sending place. And she blessed me with some chocolates. And I was so glad to receive them. I mean, this was coming from a student, for crying out loud. I knew this was a huge sacrifice. Now to you that have been sent to the world, to head corporations, to head ministries, to head outreach groups, to head various assignments that God will commit in your hands, listen to me this morning. As your achar, don't always get easily discouraged. Because while this art remained, people will surprise you. Can I have an amen? Choose to not be too surprised. You may be surprised, but don't be too surprised to the point that you're overwhelmed. And that's why I have made it a practice to not get drunk on people's praises of me and, and their ovation. Because if you do that, you will die of their criticism when they turn around. The same people that said, Hosanna today. Oh, they put their clothes on the floor. Roll on our clothes. You are the best. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. The next day said, crucify him is an idiot. Same people that David raised said, let's stone this guy alone. We got to stone. We got to stone the son of Jesse. Pastor, idiot. You led us to war. We came back. Wife, no more. I'm now wifeless, shiraless, shyless, TVless, carless, homeless, foodless. We will kill. Some of them even say, Shogo will kill. Don't fire you. Men he raised. The people he raised. But David turned somewhere. He turned somewhere. He looked inside. Uh, and he encouraged himself. One of the questions we need to ask ourselves is how did he do it? I told you the how last week. I'll say it again this morning. He recalled to memory his past victories. His 
in your language, his past wins. His past wins. Am I right about that? Now, this is our language now. In, your, in, in this generation, we say wins, right? When you, somebody celebrates birthday, they say, happy birthday, more wins. Am I right about that? Come on, are we alive? More. David recalled to memory his past wins. He remembered how God delivered him from the paw of the bear. One, he remembered how God delivered him from the paw of the lion that was roaring and going to destroy him. He remembered how God delivered Goliath into his hands. He remembered how God has delivered him from the, the spear of Saul. David one day was on the, on the keyboard and was playing and playing and playing the instrument and playing musical instrument to, to take care of Saul who was troubled by an evil spirit and Saul took a javelin. Is that how you treat your medical doctor? Is that how you treat your psychologist? Somebody who's giving you psychotherapy. And Saul brought out a javelin and threw at David. Woo! And Saul was a fighter. He couldn't have missed it, but by the hand of God. The hand of God misdirected that javelin. And David was able to hide himself and took to his heels. David recalled all of that and said, God, you've been there. It was you five years ago. It was you ten years ago. It was you three years ago. It was you last month who delivered me. I was going to write exams. I was on a bike. Pastor Fred said, don't take a bike. Don't take a bike. Don't take In fact, that morning I heard Pastor Fred's voice. But I disobeyed his voice. And I took a bike. I said, you are. And as the bike got to Samonda, it really a son of out of nowhere. And I said, Jesus! And it was you who saved me and rescued me from that bike. And I came to church to give the testimony. But I edited that part because I didn't want pastor to hear it. But Lord, it was you that saved me. That was what David was doing when he was encouraging himself in the Lord. Has God ever helped you to pass exams before? Has he ever rescued you from life-threatening situations before? So if he's done that and he's brought you this far, he hasn't brought you this far to abandon you here. He's still going to take you there. Someone said, the Lord will take me there. You know why he will take you there? Because he's already there. Covenant name, Shammah, Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is there. You are going to America, the Lord is already there. You are going to England, the Lord is already there. You are going to Canada, the Lord is already there. You are going to Abuja, the Lord is already there. And if they posted you to Bayelsa, go, because the Lord is already there. Can I have an amen? What matters is the presence of the Lord. And some of you should learn how to flow with God and not try to influence everything. Be led by the Spirit of God. I move on very quickly this morning. Just like Paul the Apostle said, he who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Paul was recalling to memory, God delivered us in Asia. He still does deliver. He's still delivering. And he will yet, oh, he will yet deliver. This exam will be a walkover. Can I have an amen? This too shall pass. Can I have an amen? This affliction too will be a walkover. Can I have an Amen. It will get into my past and I'm going to get into my future. Can I have an amen? It is not going to drown me. I'm going to see the other side of this situation. Can I have an amen? Amen means so be it. And it's one of the covenant names of Jesus. Can I have a good amen? amen. You stamp it when you say amen. Stamp it. It's your blessing. David reminded himself of the covenant that he had with God. As a covenant child of God, there comes a time in your life when you have to remind yourself of the covenant that you have. With God. It's come through for you time and time again. Remind yourself. 
and then be your own cheerleader. The people who wanted to stone him were the same people that he invited into the cave or that came to him in the cave and he invested in them. But they turned against him. What do you do? I want to give you two points this morning. It's going to be a series. If I can give you only one, that's fine. But if I can give you two, that's fine. Number one, what do you do? What do you do when you want to flow with God's recovery plan? When you are trusting God for recovery? Number one, you must have the attitude of someone who wants to recover all. Attitude is everything. Attitude. Attitude. You must have the attitude of someone who wants to recover all. One of the warnings God gave me in my darkest moments. The Lord said to me, don't rehearse failure. Don't rehearse failure. Don't rehearse failure. Because whatever you rehearse, you're still going to present. Am I right about that? Am I right about that? So the Lord warned me very expressly. I never heard any preacher say this. I never heard it anywhere. I heard it expressly from the Lord. Don't rehearse failure. Change your attitude. Let your attitude be of someone who wants to recover all. So get ready, baby, to recover all. Get ready. Plan your recovery party. <laughs> Amen? Plan your celebration party. Plan your victory party. It's an attitude. Attitude, like they say, is like a bad attitude is like a flat tire. You're not going to go anywhere until you change it. You can't afford to let the devil defeat you in your mind. You can't afford it. Yes. The pressure is high and intense. Yes. But push it out on the word of God. Push the pressure out on the word of God. When you push the pressure out on the word of God, you will develop faithitude. Faith, I call it faithitude. That's the attitude of faith. We find that in 2 Corinthians 4.13. On the screen, please. 2 Corinthians 4.13. 2 Corinthians 4.13. I've seen the face of handsome Pastor Fred. Yeah, he's handsome. Glory be to God. Let's read this together from the word of God. We having the same spirit there is not the Holy Spirit. It's in small letter. You can replace that word with attitude. The spirit of faith is the attitude of faith. Attitude of faith. We have in the same attitude of faith. According as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and we therefore speak. When you have the attitude of faith, it reflects in the words of your mouth. I know that when pressure is high, many times we are tempted to speak the negative over our lives, over our situations. But hey, shake that off, baby. Put the pressure on the word. Spend more time in the word of God. Put the pressure. Pressure the word. I'm not saying Genesis to Revelation. Just one word from God can change your life. One word. One word from this sermon today is all you need. One word. One word. Yours could be Psalm 37, 19. Could be Psalm 37, 25. Could be Philippians 1, 20. It could be Psalm 1, 1. Just one word. And then pressure that word. What do I mean by pressure it? Put the pressure on it. How do you put pressure on it? Keep confessing it. Keep saying it. Keep meditating on it. Keep speaking it. Don't let go of it. Keep speaking it every time. As if it's the only scripture that you know. You're pressuring that word and that word will produce. Can I have an amen? Faith in God has to come alive in your heart. That is in your spirit. In your attitude. In your words and actions to activate recovery. Are you with me? You want to activate recovery? Faith in God. Let it reflect in your thoughts, in your heart, in your words, in your actions, in your attitude. Carry yourself, baby, like someone that is going to recover all. Carry yourself like a winner, not a loser. 
Everybody come and look at me. I have lost so much. I'm a loser. No, you are not a loser. You are a winner. Can I have an amen? You are a winner 24-7. Can I have an amen? In fact, you are born to win. Can I have an amen? You are scheduled to win. Can I have an amen? So no matter what comes against you, you are still going to win. Can I have an amen? This is so big. Yeah, you are going to have a big win. Amen? The greater the challenge, the greater the victory, the greater your celebration. We don't like the challenge. We like the victory and the celebration. But that's the way it is. You want to win big, you have to fight big. And the challenge has to be big. I mean, David ought to pay Goliath. I tell you, David owed Goliath some money. Who knew David? Goliath made him. God helped him. Goliath made him. It was because he finished Goliath. The women started singing. Women and songs. My goodness. They started singing all over the land of Israel. Saul has killed his 1,000. David has killed his 10,000. And Saul had the song. Jealousy started. Envy started. Beef started. It was because he fought Goliath. He became very famous. Men who brought down the giant. This is one small boy. Chineke. The son of Jesse. The last one of Jesse. Eh! He brought down Goliath. No, it must be Eliab, his brother. Eliab had a big chest. The kind of chest that Igbo people describe as chest. Chest. He had this chest like a mountain. Like a rock. But not be by chest too. Eliab saw Goliath. Eliab, Goliath. He put his gear in reverse. But little David came and you have come against me with sword and, 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 and stave and whatever you've got. But I come against you in the name. The Lord God of hosts. The God of Israel. El Elohi Israel. He said the God of the armies of Israel. In Hebrew is El Sabaoth. Not Sabbath. Sabbath is different. El Sabaoth. Sabaoth means the angel armies. So David had an understanding that Israel had both a physical army and a spiritual army. And it was the spiritual army that helped him in his battle. Because stones don't kill giants. Are you with me? David finished him with words of faith. And I believe that stone was aided by the sword of an angel. When we get to heaven, we'll find out. But I believe that personally. Don't quote me, but ask me. I'll ask David when we get to heaven. No, David might not even know. I'll ask the Lord Jesus Christ himself. I believe as the stone was going like this, it was programmed. And an angel was flying with a sword underneath the stone. And the sharp edge of the sword was out like this. The stone was here. So the sword pierced the forehead. Then the stone entered. Like snooker. And it enters the hole. Tick tock. Glory be to God. The same God that fought for David is fighting for us. Never quit. You must have a never quitting, never giving up attitude. Never quitting, never giving up attitude. The kind of attitude that quotes Psalm 30 and verse 5 and make it your mantra. That even though weeping may endure for the night. Finish it up for me, church. Joy cometh in the morning. Hallelujah. Give me Micah chapter 7 and verse 8. I love that scripture. Micah 7, 8 is a good attitude that every Christian should have. He said, rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Somebody shout amen. 
don't rejoice because I'm getting back up. <laughs> it's too early to rejoice. I'm getting up. I'm coming out. Get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. Come on, get up, get up, get up. Get up out of that grave. We don't belong to the grave. The grave is empty. The tomb is empty. And if his tomb is empty, ours will be empty as well. And we'll reign with the Lord forever and ever in his kingdom. Can I have an amen? amen. Psalm 37, verses 23 to 25. Very important. Psalm 37, 23 to 25. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And it delighted in his way. Look at the next verse, verse 24. Though he fall, <laughs> he shall not be utterly cast down. My goodness, it's a temporal situation. Even if you fall, you get back up. Can I have an amen? For the Lord upholded him with his hand. Even though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down. I've been young. Now I'm old. I've seen kingdoms erected. I've seen kingdoms turned into pieces. I've seen kings enthroned. I've seen kings dethroned. One thing I am yet to see. I'm yet to see the righteous forsaken. Oh, see it begging bread. It has never happened. It's not going to start with you. Okay, only three people came to church this morning. It's one of the scriptures I believe so much in my life. And it's working. It works for me. It works for my children. I always tell them you never beg for bread. You, it's, it's impossible for you to beg bread impossible. Daily food is not part of my prayer. God, give me food today. God, give us food this week. God, the economy. Dollar is now 1,000. I don't follow them to say it. Whatever it likes to become, let it become. One thing that is certain is that the Lord is our supply. is our source of every blessing. James 1.17 Every good gift, whether it comes in the form of money or foodstuff, it will come. Are you with me, church? Don't be walked up on certain things that should not bother you. You're a child of God. Focus on the word of God. You're focusing on the news. Ah, they say pounds now. It's now 1,520. Ah, how do we do it? How? How have you been doing it? Those of you that earn salary. Is it your salary you've been spending? How much is your salary? Some of you, you earn salary that is very pitiful. 25,000 every month. How many days do you have in a, year, in a month? 30 days on the average or 31? 25,000 divided by 1,000 1, every day. Five days, you should be completely broke, flat. And even spending 1000 a day, how much does that do? You go to work, you transport yourself to work, transport yourself back home, lunch, zero, breakfast, maybe one, zero, one, or zero, zero, one, or 0 0.5, 0 0.5, zero. I know the kind of things that people are going through. I understand. I'm not undermining the pain of the masses. But hey, we are not the masses. Can I have an amen? amen. We are kingdom children. And no matter the economy of the jungle, the lion will never eat grass. It is not configured to be a herbivore. Even the young lions may lack and suffer hunger. But they that wait upon the Lord shall never lack any good thing. These are scriptures that have formed my mentality over the years. I don't ever see myself being stranded. No matter what it is, God raises hell. You should never be stranded as a child of God. Is God aware you're in Nigeria? Oh, he's not aware. Oh, he's surprised. Ah, only your you're still in Nigeria. I didn't know. Ah, Gabriel. Oh, you didn't remind me. God will never have to be reminded anything. Oh, only one person came to church this morning. Don't 
waste all these reviews that are coming your way. Because these are things that will build you up and help you. Romans 8.18. Romans 8.18. For our light affliction. No, for I reckon. I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. We have suffered. But the glory shall be revealed in us. Can I have an amen? The glory shall be revealed where? Where? In us. In me. I carry, somebody say, say I carry glory. I'm a vessel of glory. In the Yoruba language, they call it omologo, omologo, okariogo, ogweogo, kariogo. Okariogo, you carry glory. You don't carry shame. So don't wait for shame. It's not coming your way. Amen. Uh, if you can claim it, claim it. Second uh. Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. For our light affliction, which is God for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Can you see weight of glory again? Romans says glory. This one says weight of glory. Weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, everything you are going through now is temporal. It is sin. Don't look at it. Don't focus on the problem. Don't focus on the problem. You never get the solution by focusing on the problem. And it's for the moment. But it is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Uh -uh. There is glory in our future. I said there is glory in our future. Some of you five years from today, when I see you in a glorious place, I will not be surprised. Eh, because I should not be surprised. Eh, some of you ten years from now, where you are is going to be a glorious place. Can I have an amen? amen? You know why I will not be surprised? Because of today's service. The Bible says that you, you, there is a weight of glory on this side of you that is meant to be revealed. So if you don't reveal it, if it doesn't come out, I will be surprised. Ah! You are doing this kind of work? No! Ah. Ah. Yeah. As you see you in a nice place, flourishing, blessed, highly favored, blooming, prospering, doing well, doing exploits for the kingdom of our God. I said, that's my girl. I said, that's my guy. Yeah. You won't be among those pushing carts around. You won't be among those helping them to push wheelbarrow in the name of Jesus. You might have done that before. You might be doing that right now. It's only for a while. God is bringing you out. In God's program, our tomorrow should ever be better than today. We should never have a better yesterday. Oh, once upon a time when the Lord was blessing me. No, that shouldn't be the story of a child of God. Are you with me? Are you with me? You should never have a better yesterday. Your tomorrow should be better than today. Today should be better than yesterday. For the path of the just as a shining light is shining more and more onto the perfect day. According to Brother chapter 4 verse 18. Can I have an amen? amen. Number two. This is where I stop for today. Enquire from the Lord. Don't live your life like a mule that have no understanding. Enquire from the Lord. God knows where the solution to every problem lies. And he wants to lead you there by his spirit. As many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Romans 8, 14. Be led by the Holy Ghost. 
David never joked with God's guidance. He depended so much on it. He cried to God not to take the Holy Spirit from him. In 1 Samuel 16, 13, when Samuel came and anointed David as the next king of Israel, the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day. He had anointed Saul before, 1 Samuel 10. And in one of the verses, the Bible says Saul became like another man. That's what the anointing of the Holy Spirit does. You will become like another person. Is it not the same Fred that we knew then? Is it not the same Jacob? Is it not the same? How come you have changed now? There's something different about you. It's the anointing. It's the anointing. You can be going through hell and you are still functioning well because of the anointing. It's an enablement of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that in 1 Samuel 16, 11, as Samuel anointed David, king of Israel, the spirit of the Lord came upon him. And Samuel said unto Jesse, I hear all your children. Is that the verse? Are you quoting, am I quoting well? 16, 13, sorry. 16, 13. 13, quickly. Verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. David became like another man because the Holy Spirit rested on him. Please look around. It's not time to be sleeping. Let me check your neighbor. Check on them. Left and right. Check on them. It's a dangerous time to be sleeping. A dangerous time to be sleeping. Now, David became like another man. But David understood the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Even though David was under the old covenant, he was already functioning in the new. He was one Bible character that enjoyed that privilege. He so functioned in that office. He cried to the Lord in Psalm 51 verse 11. He said, cast me not away from your presence, O Lord. Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Who told him about the Holy Spirit? He knew that the Spirit came upon him from the day he was anointed. Cast me not away from your presence, O oh Lord. <laughs> Take not, Baba Ejor, Take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore, restore unto me. Ah, the joy of thy salvation. Oh, and renew a right spirit within me. In the New Testament, he might not take it away from you, take him away from you, but you might become numb. Your conscience seared with a hot iron that you are no longer sensitive to the Holy Spirit. If you have ever seen the face of God, I pray for you. This is the greatest prayer of today's service. May you never see his backside. Many people take God for granted because they think they know God more than God. That's why people sin recklessly in this generation and cover it in the name of the gospel. God has never lowered the standard and never will for any generation. Oh, in those days when you were in a relationship, you don't go and sleep in your boyfriend's house. Those were the days of the SU. Now, you and your boyfriend will even come to church and lift hands. Woo! 
Korobi mo se wa, Korobi mo se se, Korobi mo se soro. Oh, son, don't you be. They will even bring out phone. No, do you get, you get, you get, get. Koro, Koro. Because you know what you are doing. Oro. Anu lo fin ba elo ni o. Oro. Oro, den so fin po mo yipa da o. Ronukwe wada o. Repent, repent. I'm a Yahoo guy. Ah, Omo, even when I, when I hammer like this, I appear my tight in church. Pastor may not know, but God knows. And God does not accept it. The bank may accept it, but God does not accept it. It is not acceptable. Your sugar daddy dashes you 500k. You bring tight of 50k to church. You sow special seed of 50k to maintain pastor's car. Pastor may not know where you got the money from. He may not ask you. He may not even know. There are times money enters into the account. We don't see the alert. We just see that the, the balance has changed. It happens. But it's not acceptable to God. The offering they gave Paul in Philippians 4 from verse 15 to 19. Paul said, I've received it from Epaphroditus. He said, it's a sweet-smelling offering. Well-pleasing to God. When you bring an offering from your legit work, God blesses it. God cannot bless iniquity. A criminal that comes, calls himself a man of God stole almost one billion from some of us. And he will stand on the pulpit and dance. I was watching him the day, the day we got him. He was laying hands on people. Empty hands on empty heads. What do we take God for? No, really, in this generation, what do we take God for? Do you know that people assume that God is no longer here? That's why we do what we do. Because if we are conscious of the presence of God, you won't need any pastor to preach certain things to you. Can God be in your room and you watch porn? God sit down like this, in your room. Face to face, gadochi, gadochi, we go, and you bring out your phone. Can God be in your room and you lie? Can you go to the same room with the governor of this state and you bring out your phone? Governor is talking and you bring out your phone. And you're on Twitter. The governor is having a meeting with you. They won't even allow you to take your phone in. But God, we have concluded, is not in the church. God is not in our homes. God is not even in our lives. That's why you'll be comfortable to go to club Friday night and useless yourself. And Sunday morning, you want to come and lift holy hand. I want to lead a special number. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The church may not know. Pastor may not know. We don't know much. We pastors, we are the, we are the mumus. We are the greatest mumus in the world. We don't know much. You know why we don't know much? Because we don't want to know too much. It will discourage us. So we focus on God. But other church members are seeing you. So the day you come and say, praise the Lord. Say, eh, who is that? <laughs> Should I show you our Instagram account or the Snapchat? Listen, 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 listen. In this generation, 
Many of us have lost the consciousness of the presence of God. You think God is far away in heaven? He's here now. And if we ever knew that we have been watched by another world, we would desist from certain things. We would desist from certain meetings. We would desist from certain words we speak and from certain actions we take. Myself inclusive. We must grow in our consciousness of God. David never had a perfect life. But he said, cast me not away from your presence. Because David knew, according to Psalm 16, verse 11, that will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand, pleasures forevermore. There is pleasure temporarily in the clubs, in the pubs, in the bars, in the bad places. But they are temporary. But in your presence, there is fullness of joy. That money cannot provide. That sex cannot bring to the table. That alcohol can never procure. And that drugs will never have the power to purchase. It's only found in the presence of God. I dare you. I challenge you this morning. Practice the presence of God in your home. Just say, God, I want to spend the next one hour with you. You will spend three hours and it will be as though you have only spent 30 minutes. His presence is sweet. If you have never tasted his presence before, you don't know what I'm talking about. But if you have, you want to go back there and taste of him again and drink from the well. David said, I beg you, Lord, take not your Holy Spirit from me. Every time he had the battle, First Samuel 23, he was going to go after the Philistines. He went to ask God first, Lord, should I pursue? Will I overtake? God said, pursue. You will overtake. The Philistines came again. Lord, should I pursue? This time, don't pursue. This is what to do. Another time, Lord, what do I do? Now you have to wait for the sign on the mulberry tree. When you see a movement on the mulberry tree, then go because I've gone ahead of you. Lord, should I pursue? Now, they are coming against me. Will the men of this town, Mispe, will they hand me over to the enemy? Yes, they are coming. And yes, they will hand you over. They went over. Oh yeah, my guys, let's run away from here. Saul is coming. Guidance. Divine guidance is part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We lack it in this generation. And we have burnt our fingers. We need to go back there. Don't start your day without the Holy Ghost. Like the Holy Ghost doesn't exist. Isaiah 30 and verse 21. And thine ear shall hear a word behind you. Huh? Saying to you, when you turn to the left and when you turn to the right, this is the way. Walk in it. Divine guidance. Isaiah 58 and verse 11. The Lord shall guide thee continually. The Lord shall guide thee continually. Isaiah 58, 11. It's one of the benefits of fasting. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought. Nigeria is in a drought now, but the Lord will satisfy your soul in drought. God will raise men in this church. He will give you ideas that will make you prosper in drought. You will prosper in famine. Say better amen. amen. Ideas rule the world, not connection. Ideas. And make fat thy bones, and thou shalt be like a watered garden. 
and like a spring of water, whose waters fail not. No dry season. Amen? They will just see that you are flourishing. How come? You are just passing your exams. Because the Holy Ghost knows your AOC. The Holy Spirit knows the area of concentration. He will say, you are wasting your time on the score. Go to the limbs. Yeshua had that testimony she shared with me in UI just a few years ago. Came to church like this and we talked along these lines. And she was in a reading group. Everybody had been reading all manner of things. 15 minutes or so to the exam. She just said, I think we should. I have an impression in my heart. We should just study blah, blah, blah. And that was what came out. The Holy Spirit sees into the questions that have been set by your professors. Don't trust in your brain. Trust in him. Ask him, Lord, where do I read? Lord, this man is all over me. He's loving me, giving gifts, he's bringing. I'm not taking the gift to because I don't want to be confused. Is he the one? Oh, no, he looks like the most spiritual brother in our church. Lord, I thank you for leading him to me. You have, you have tried to lead the Lord, and the Lord will not be led by you. David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. The day you become the shepherd of the Lord, you end up in lack. The Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd needs the sheep. The sheep doesn't lead the shepherd. Are you with me? And the Lord is not a goat pad. He's a sheep, sheep, shepherd. A goat does not listen. So the Lord is not a goat pad. Some people are stubborn as a goat. Don't go there. Yes, I've done it before. I've done it before. I, I behave like a goat. God gave me an express instruction. Don't do this. I did it. Bolt my fingers. And started asking God for mercy. Thank God for mercy. And if you are going to ask our fathers in the faith, I think all of them also have been there before. When we disobeyed God. Don't go there. That's where you want to go. That's where everybody's going. I want to go there. Everybody that passed to the UK. There are people sleeping on the street now, going to food bank, begging for food. They sold houses. Don't go. You have a good job here. No! That's where the future is. Our future is there. Okay. Get there and pick the future on the street. Some. That's where they're supposed to be. So this is an opportunity for them to now go. And they're there now flourishing. Flourishing. In America, one white boy was begging us for five dollars. Oh, they were taking me from church in Chesapeake, Virginia. I said, why is he begging? An American begging? Begging in Nigeria? Poverty has no respect for skin color. Are you aware there are homeless people in America? May the Lord guide you continually. Had the story of a man who was trying to go to America. He was bent on going to America. They refused him visa every time. A minister, a young minister, finally got the visa. You know, some people try to arm twist God. They force God to do it. God, you have to do it. God, you have to. Because it's not yet time. I will do it, but not time. No, now! Power! Must change hands. Power! Okay. Like the children of Israel. We don't want this manna. We don't want this nonsense. Give us chicken. We miss garlic. Ah, the garlic of Egypt. Ah, the onions. Ah, the cucumber. It's not cucumber, by the way. It's cucumber. God said, okay, chicken rained down on them. He gave them their desire. And as they were eating it, it was coming out of their nostrils. Because he gave them their desire. If you wait, you'll still eat more than enough chicken. No, now, now. 
I want to have sex now. I can't wait to, to be married. Well, who knows when I will be married? Who knows? Who knows whether the day, the, the eve of the wedding, Jesus will now come? No. Now. God said, we said, now. Now, Lord. After doing it, I will repent. I just want to know how it feels. That's all. Lord, I promise I will not do it again once. We seem to be smarter than God, right? The man wanted to cross the road in America. His first time. 2016. 2016. I was in Evan, Texas. I was in a church where they were sharing this in Dallas. I think Central Dallas or so. For the first time. And a vehicle came because he didn't know the rules. They have rules of crossing. You don't jaywalk. Here we jaywalk, anyhow. You know what jaywalking is? We don't know. When the Maxi brought this thing on the floor, we don't know the meaning. We don't know anyhow cross. Even the drivers don't know. Normally, in the same country when you press the bell and you step on the zebra crossing, so, the vehicles are supposed to stop. But everything is timed, though. But here, okay. The guy does not understand all the signs on the road. But this was now in America. The man, maybe Jay walked, got crossed by a vehicle, and that was it. He didn't make it. Left a baby in Nigeria and a young wife. <laughs> May people not learn from our own sad stories like that, too. Those of us who have burnt our fingers, we thank God that it was not the whole body that got burnt. It was fingers. So that we could have time for mercy, for repentance. And as someone who has been there, I'm sharing with you this morning. As someone who has disobeyed and has had to pay the price, I'm sharing with you this morning. So if you like, listen to me. If you like, don't listen. Me, I will not beg you. Okay? When you have your own experience, ah! Pastor said it. The wise person will learn from the experiences of others. The foolish person said, no. He fell into a ditch. He came out and told us the story. Let me also fall into the ditch. So I can also tell the story. You might not be able to tell the story. Are you with me? Be guided by God. Always go to him for guidance. Always go to him for guidance. The Holy Spirit is our guide in this jungle called life. In Luke 4 verse 1, the Bible says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And that was where he fasted and prayed and to be tempted of the devil. In verse 14, he returned in the power of the Spirit. He was led by the Spirit, so he returned them the power of the Spirit. You want to marry somebody? Don't be led by shape. Don't be led by height. Don't be led by muscle. Don't be led by money. Don't even be led by their family background. Ah. Well, our family hello. She's the last one. I'm the first. First born must not marry first born. Because I see your lady. Human logic and calculation. I need to stop now. Are you being blessed? In John 16, 13, Jesus said that this Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. The apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ could not do without the leading of the Holy Spirit. How do we think that we can? In Acts chapter 13, verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, media be fast now. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Paul. 
Paul and Barnabas for the work. Come on, come on, give it to me. Acts 13, 13, 13 and verse 2. Verse 2, 13 and verse 2. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work we are unto have called them. The Holy Ghost said, He gave an instruction, He gave an approval. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul. The Holy Ghost is not a bird, He's a person, so He can speak. And He speaks. Don't go there today. Period. Don't go. Don't argue with Him. Hello, babe. We're chilling for you now. I'm sorry, I'm not coming. Why? I can't explain. But in my spirit, I have a witness to not come. You don't even need to explain to them. I'm not coming, period. Amen? It's your life. At the end of it all, if you go and on your way there, something that the enemy had planned happened, you are still on your own. The best people owe you is, oh, I want DP. May that not be for you in Jesus' name. No, you know that DP? May that not be your portion in Jesus' name. Uh, in Acts 15, 28, the apostle said, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. It seemed good. Because the Holy Ghost has a will. In Acts 13, he spoke. In Acts 15, he didn't speak. But he gave an impression. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. It seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us. So there are times it leads you by an inward witness. It's an impression. Pastor, it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to have a service where we just worship God. What do you Did you hear that from the Holy Ghost? I didn't hear expressly, but it was impressed in my heart. The Holy Ghost can, can impress it in your heart. See that guy that came to greet you. Never have any business to do with him in your life. Never. You better listen. He brings a proposal tomorrow. Oh! Holy scory, holy bully. Oh my God, I'll become a billionaire in one year. Ha! <laughs> I don't hammer. It's all right. In Acts 16, verses 6 and 7, quickly, the Holy Ghost disallowed them from preaching the word in a particular place. Can you beat that? Acts 16, 6 to 7. Now, when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, if I was with them, I would have bound the devil. How can you forbid us to preach the word of God in Asia? The word of God is not bound. We have to preach the word. We preach all over the world. Jesus said, go to all the world. Go into all the world. Now we're in Asia. We got to preach. We got to preach. The Holy Ghost said, no. He knows why. He gets why. When the Holy Ghost says no, he gets why. Verse 7. After they were come to Mysia, they are said, they tried again to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. He didn't allow them. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. The same Holy Ghost who said, Separate me, Saul and Barnabas. The same Holy Ghost to whom it was recorded. It seemed good to him. The same Holy Ghost said, don't go. Go, don't go. The same Holy Ghost. He's a person, he has a mind and he has a will. It's our job to find out his mind and his will. First Corinthians 12, 11 tells us about spiritual gifts. All of them are distributed severally according to the will of the Spirit. As the Spirit of God wills. Whether it's word of wisdom, word of knowledge, 
Discerning of spirits, the gift of prophecy, uh, 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 special faith, or uh, uh, the gifts of healings, or uh, uh, interpretation of tongues, or diverse kind of tongues. The nine of them. It gives to every man severally as he wills. You may covet the best gifts, but it's the one that determines which one comes to you. And he has a mind. Romans 8, 27. For he that searcheth the heart, knoweth the mind of the spirit. He that searcheth the heart, knoweth the mind of the spirit. He has a mind. He's not a bird. So ask him for his mind. This journey I want to embark on. Holy Spirit, what's your mind? That's why we don't just do programs in this church. They are doing it in one church. Pastor, let's copy and do. Copy and paste. Is it the mind of the Holy Ghost for this church? They had marathon prayer. Three hours. Oh, six hours. Nine hours. Twenty-four hours. Pastor, let me do it once in three months. Marathon prayer. Holy Ghost will ask you, did I ask you to do it? Just like some people use their own lives. They compare their lives with other people's lives. Somebody will build a house before the age of 30. That's certain. Somebody will build at 25. Certain. Somebody will not build until they are 45. Certain. Somebody might not be until they are 55. The clocks of our lives are not wound the same way. Somebody will graduate from university at 21. Somebody will not graduate until 41. But that doesn't make that person a failure. They have also progressed in certain areas of life that the one that graduated at 21 has never tasted. Our lives are unique. Each of our lives is unique. Celebrate your uniqueness. Thank God you are in DLC. I thank God I'm in DLC. Distance learning. At my age, Lord, I bless your name. Don't be envious and go and kill yourself. Look at this one. He's in full time and he's doing medicine and surgery. And me now, I'm in history. God has a unique plan for your life. Celebrate your uniqueness. Be led by the Spirit. Don't follow the bandwagon. This somebody has achieved more than me. God, my life is useless. Your life is not useless. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Lord, how are you leading me this week? You want to recover. You have to be led. David had to inquire, Lord, should I pursue? Will I overtake? He asked two questions. God answered with three. Pursue, you will overtake. And God said, in addition, you will recover all. I pray for someone, you will recover all in the name of Jesus. Stand on your feet, everybody. Have you been blessed today?